The fuzziest and most snuggly of warm welcomes to you, dear listener. My name's Owen and I'm the host of this brand new LFC podcast where we're really going to try and look at the facts and stats of everything related to Liverpool FC. My guest today is David Power, a friend and fellow Red. Welcome, David. And we've got a lot to get through today. So let's crack on. First of all, Liverpool, Manchester United yesterday. Um, you've seen the goals. Yes. You've seen a few of the highlights. Uh-huh. What were your initial impressions of that game? Um, positive psychologically from Liverpool, but it's it's just pre-season. It's just pre-season. Yeah, that was my next question. Does it matter no. at all? Very, very little. It matters maybe more to United than it does to Liverpool because Liverpool are good psychologically, but United under this coach are... Uh, are a mess. They're blocked up, and then he's going crazy after a meaningless loss, and so it's it's bodes ill for them, in my opinion, but not for us. Well, I mean, you say they're a mess. They were second in the Premier League last season. You know, they had a decent points tally. They, you know, that yesterday they didn't have Lukaku, Fellaini, Pogba. You know, key players missing for them. So, you know. All very true. But when I say that they're a mess, I mean, they've obviously got the second most expensive squad in history and a lot of quality. But the players are feeling the pressure. You can see it in everything. And so this the coach losing his rag with the players again, blaming the players. It's just not a good sign because, uh, as you said, they're missing all these players and he should treat it philosophically. But he doesn't. He Instead, he uh, berates them. And if you think that's good man management, well. Well, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, it's good for us, though. I mean, it's good mm-hmm. to see for Liverpool fans. And, uh, you know, speaking, to, speaking about Mourinho, he said uh, it's, it's United kids versus Liverpool's first team. That's a quote from him. Uh, but then if you actually look at the average age, I found this on Twitter from at Clark James, YNWA, who posts post some lovely stats about Liverpool. And uh, the average starting age of, uh, of average age of the starting 11 for Manchester United was 25.6 years. And for Liverpool, it was 25.4 years. So for me, again, Mourinho, you're speaking out of your pastes de nata. Um, uh, and we'll have a look at a few of the we'll have a look at a few of the stats because that's what this podcast is about is trying to be a little bit more in depth than your uh, other LFC podcasts uh, which I listen to and I love but uh, let's try, try and look at the stats a bit so overall the possession uh, United had thirty five point three percent leaving sixty four point seven percent possession for the mighty Liverpool we had 16 shots to their three we had nine on target to their two we had an 87% passing success rate to their 73.7 and in the attacking third our pass success rate was 69.4% which is really high and they only had 28.9% in the very rare times that they were attacking. Uh, I noticed Mourinho played a back three with three right in front of them so it was almost like a back six in the center and then out wide they had you know two defensive players as well so yes a back eight if you like. Um, 
And uh, yeah, we had, uh, you know, aerial duels. We came out on top as well, 58.3% to 41.7%. Discipline, fouls committed. I like this one. We had 18 fouls in one match in a friendly against Manchester United. I mean, that, I think, that, I think that's a good thing. I don't know how you feel about that, David. It, 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 you know, it, it shows the commitment and the, you know, that this wasn't just a friendly. This was like, let's kick them and beat them. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. But as I said, for me, it's just pre-season. Um, but the stats that are relevant are, for example, the fact that United have uh, so many, or Liverpool have so many shots on goal as opposed to uh, United, which Liverpool are clearly buoyant and they're happy to play for their coach. They're positive. And this time last year, I think United had a very, very good pre-season and all the deluded fans forgot who their coach was and because they were rattling in goals they thought it was just a question of turning up at the ceremony in may and collecting <laughs> the trophy and then as i predicted by about november you know the rot had set in and the goals dried up so if they're drying up already i mean that should have been fun yesterday for them it should have been a seven four maybe and but it wasn't it was angst and so as i said again from liverpool it's very good because they're relaxed you know they're, they're moving yeah that's a good yeah that's a good point yeah we've got momentum we've got momentum um so let's move on to the to the to the to the man of the hour shakiri his kicks don't lie um i had a little bit look a little bit of a look at his career that um it, in the Premier League, he, he made 85 appearances for Stoke City with 15 goals. And, I, and I'm not sure exactly, but I think it's around about 15 assists. Um, last season, I think it was uh, eight, eight goals and nine assists for, for Stoke City. Is it, can we read anything into that? I mean, now, obviously, he's playing with, you know, a lot better players. Joe Allen has left Liverpool, um, you know, the Stoke uh, maestro. Um, but now we've got, you know, Naby Keita, who's perhaps a, you know, a step up from, from your Joe Allens. I mean, can we look at Shakiri's record? I mean, also in international competitions, he got 21 goals and 74 appearances. So obviously international level, the, you know, the level's a bit higher than Stoke maybe. But even then, Switzerland don't have the best players. Can we even look at his statistics? Is that really valid to I look at? I don't think so. I okay. think you can look at his overall performances when you do watch him. But if mm -hmm. we haven't watched him week in, week out, which is a problem. Uh, but anytime I've ever seen him, he has always had a go. Um, so he's definitely going to be a player if they bring him on. He's, he can create problems. And if we're looking for a winner, he's definitely going to be a player who will think outside the box and play outside the box and create problems uh, get the winner he's a fighter but i don't think the stats are very relevant because it's stoke you know it's it's a different different mentality different structure for me it doesn't i, I wouldn't look too much into the stats with him well okay all right well he's 26 years old just think about yesterday's performance then specifically he came on as a second half sub he played in sort of a free role. He was popping up on the left. He was popping up on the right. He was he he made a sort of you know U shape you know around the box. He was he was threading balls through and trying you know balls over the top and keeping it simple where he had to. He showed great touch. I thought um, for the assist for Daniel Sturridge's goal. 
Um, you know, Daniel Sturridge scored with his first touch with beautiful finish. Um, he held off Eric Bailly, I noticed, for the assist. Eric Bailly is about five times his size, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for sure. yeah. in height and, well, maybe not width, but uh, um, yes. And uh, so I'm, 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 I'm pleased with his strength. Um, and for the goal, I mean, you know, the overhead kick. Yeah, well, the thing with the goal was that he fluffed it and then he kept his uh, ball, so to speak, to do an overhead kick right after fluffing those lines. So that says a lot about the guy. As for holding off Bailly, I think it's not so much his strength, it's just the fact that he's so small. So it's a bit like it's very hard. It's like Maradona or Messi. It's very hard for a bigger player to get a hold of these guys. So it's another positive for Liverpool because he's physically, he's just so... Uh, he's like uh, Salah. I mean, if Salah was a couple of inches bigger, he wouldn't be uh, He wouldn't be half the player, probably. He's just so so mobile and so slippery, you know. It's like a bar of soap on the pitch. Excellent, excellent. My my only slight reservation about Shakiri was before he signed, was that as he's always the main man for Switzerland, he was always the main man for Stoke, um, he had a lot of expectation on him and a lot less sort of mm-hmm. pressure to be part of the team. Mm-hmm. So as soon as he got like a sniff of a chance from outside the area, he would blam it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nine times out of ten he would miss. But then he would get the one yep. that would justify the other nine. For sure. And I wonder if this overhead kick, this beautiful goal that I've seen, Probably about a hundred and four times already. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I well, it's won- early in the days. So. It's exactly, exactly. We're, yeah, we. I mean, yes, it's only been twelve hours since yeah. the game finished. Um, I think, you know, I hope that doesn't justify him in his head that he can start blaming it for Liverpool. No. Do you think that's a danger? Do you think Klopp will be aware of this? Do you have any idea? Any- um, I do. I think first of all, Switzerland and Stoke are not too far apart they're both they were traditionally difficult to beat but he if you're not playing with anybody i mean you're you're more tempted to go for a strike like um we'll say you'd see this with big players the biggest player the biggest fish in the pond they go it alone and neymar for example couldn't pass it to even his great brazilian teammates but i think when um shakiri sees salah and uh, other great players beside him He'll pass it, mate. We hope so. And if he doesn't, then it's up to Klopp, who I don't really think is that good at correcting players' mistakes, in my opinion. But I, I, it's up to him to say, listen, uh, stop doing that. You know, you have to lay it off. Excellent, excellent. I like, I, I like the fact you're being bold here. You're getting in a Klopp. The fact because we we've spoken about this a, a number of times, um, off air. Um, you're not Klopp's biggest fan. Yes, I'm not. Could you, you know, expand a little bit? Just the teeth, just the teeth, nothing more. (laughs) (laughs) Too white, the teeth are too white. No, no, it's, it's, there's, man has many good qualities and many defects, I think, but um, we'll see. I mean, he's, he's, it's hard to tell with these players, but definitely in the case of Shakiri, if that is, as you said, a problem, he has to, um, I remember a few years ago, uh, I'll give you two examples. One was Jordan Henderson. Uh, under Rogers, uh, Jordan Henderson blew the ball over the bar well, every time over, never wide or anything like that. <laughs> he did it for a season, and there was no change. 
absolutely no change. And that's the failing of the coach in that case. And in the case of James Milner, who is the has the best accuracy, pass accuracy from corner to keeper in Premier, <laughs> Premier League history. And no coach has ever felt the need to correct him on that either. So I would pick up both Rodgers or whoever and clap on that. So in the case of uh, Shakiri, if it is a problem, yeah, the coach has to say, listen, you're going to cost us points long term if you don't uh, work towards the qualities of the team. But it's quite controversial to suggest that Klopp doesn't improve players, was what you said before. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, I can think of, you know, I can I can name maybe 10 players off the top of my head who he's improved dramatically, who have improved under his tenure. Look at Roberto Firmino. Let's start with the... Firmino. The, you know, speaking of teeth. Was Firmino signed as a, as a like, a, what was he signed as? He was, he was yeah, go on. He was no lightweight when he was signed. He was uh, supposedly a top player coming in 23 years of age. He had it all ahead of him. He played in um, a team with, uh, it was Moneyball at the time. It was Benteke and um, Balotelli, two terrible signings. And um, I don't see Firmino being that much better than him. I, in fact, I expected a lot more of him. I remember watching, with you, watching videos of him. And I thought he was going to be, a, you know, an absolute, uh, there's the problem is I don't think Firmino is that great. So. 27 goals last season. How, Raheem how Sterling, 23. Yeah. And he's also a good player. <laughs> well, anybody who's listened to the podcast will have the pleasure of knowing we don't agree on everything. So I don't agree on Sterling. I don't agree on Firmino. <laughs> Firmino is obviously a better player than Sterling. But then so am I. But there you go. Well, okay, fair enough. All right, I, I'm. I've no doubt we can we can debate this uh, further it, it, at a later date. I want to, I want to, uh, you know, go back to 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 yesterday's game, or and also the preseason in general. I mean, who's sort of who's who's standing out for you? I mean, you know, Mane, Salah just come back, Salah, and looking, looking amazing. Salah. Absolutely, he come back and there's no not no sign of his shoulder or anything like that. He's he was exactly like uh, the end of the season. Um, dangerous movement is perfect. He's hungry, does everything right. By a mile, the best player for Liverpool. By a mile, um, Mane look confident, but that's the problem. Is he's all about confidence, and so as I said, it's it's. Uh, I didn't watch the other matches in the preseason, so I'm not maybe the best judge, but. For me, it's just preseason. You can't really say, but to have Salah looking good um, is a good thing. What I, what I, what I really like about Salah, one of the things I really like about him is he he's always on the shoulder and the, at the right moment. His movement's exactly. excellent, but as soon as you know, every time, almost every time, you you're in a position where one of his teammates is in a is in is in a good place to cross the ball uh-huh, uh-huh. or do a pass Salah is in the perfect position exactly. every time he's, he's there he's between the center back and the full back and he's on the shoulder and if the ball comes to him yeah 
he's going to be there to, yeah. to, to, to knock it yeah. in. If you compare that to any other strikers we have, but, you know, to use a sort of a player who's been disappointed, very disappointed for me, is Origi. Mm, if you compare mm, Salah and Origi's well, movement, it's absolutely, absolutely. chalk and cheese. Salah is, is exactly like, um, not exactly, but he's like Suarez in 2013, 2014. He's playing the same way. And then we went from Suarez to Balotelli, who is the exact opposite who play who had... No, he couldn't play off the shoulder of any of the players and he couldn't do any of those moves. And it absolutely, you know, it really messed up the the way of playing for Liverpool. So why he was signed, he was at Balotelli uh, and even Benteke. These were terrible, terrible mistakes coming from such great success. With Salah, it's a return to that. It's a return to having a player who can create problems at all times. So it's an absolute, such a bonus for Liverpool. I can't wait. I can't wait to see Cater because Cater hurt his neck. I don't know if you heard about that. He hurt it. He hurt his neck on a plane. So that's why he didn't start. Like he didn't play yesterday. Another storage. And um, sorry. Another storage. Another storage. No, I don't think so. I just think he slept badly. Yeah, he slept okay. awkwardly. He um. But uh, yeah. So we beat United four one. Okay. Only preseason. I understand that. But Cater didn't even play. Cater. Playing behind the front three. I mean, I'm a massive fan of Manny, massive fan of Firmino, with Cater behind him. I can't wait. I can't wait for this season. I can't wait either. I think it's, I mean, when was the last time you were as excited as a Liverpool fan? Unfortunately, it was 2015 and it was the Stoke. Uh, I wasn't, I watched the highlights and Benteke had scored an incredible overhead bicycle kick against Stoke. Um, against United, you mean? No, no against, against Stoke for Stoke. Villa before he no, joined no, Liverpool. No, 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 for for Liverpool. It oh, did was it? Two one. Oh, I, I um, remember. I was in okay. Poland at the time, and I thought I'd never really witnessed Benteke, but he was one of these players I was suspicious of because he showed up a match of the day and he scored a goal, and match of the day commentators liked him, which is usually a bad sign. And in fact, very quickly I could see that he wasn't the type of player we wanted. But at that period, I thought that. Uh, some of the players coming in like Can and Lalana, etc., would add on to what had gone on before. But you know, it was a lot of quantity and not a lot of quality. Um, and now, yeah, it's definitely, um, definitely with the addition of Keita and maybe even Shakiri, I'd say definitely this is the most exciting um, season heading into. Excellent, love it, and I want to talk about. A player that has changed all of our lives. I mean, if you're to uh, talk about, you know, if we could, if we were uh, Christians, uh, we could talk about. Um, uh, I am, by the way. Oh, good. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, we won't. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, everybody's welcome on this on the, the talk on podcast. Um, so yes, very, very. You know, you have, you have, you have BC before Christ. And AD in the year of our Lord. I think for Liverpool fans, especially the modern Liverpool fan, I think you will have BV before Virgil. And you could still call it AD in the year of our Lord, if you were, I mean, you know, or in the year of our Virge, in the year yeah, of our Dyke. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Anno Dyke. It's, it's brilliant. I love the idea, but no. Big, big no to that. Hang on, because I've got stats to back me up on this. Oh. Last season, last season, this stats from uh, Empire of the Cop, fantastic uh, uh, Liverpool uh -huh. service. Before 
Virgil van Dijk, we played 23 matches in the Premier League. We conceded 28 goals, which was sixth best in the league. After Virgil signed, we played 15. We only conceded 10, which was joint first in the league. And I think he had such a massive impact. I think he's the best defender in the world, or at least up there. (laughs) You're, you're, you're laughing. You're I'm mocking. Laughing. You're mocking. What's I'm what, what's happening? Why what's do the, I mock? Why? I, the stat, yeah, the stat's all very interesting. But if you look at the stat that counts is when did Virgil van Dijk, not that he's, he's not a bad player, not but when bad. did he sign? And you look at Liverpool's uh, points rate in the EPL at that stage. And then you see from there to the end of the season. And I guarantee you, he didn't move the performance of point performance by a jot. That's what matters. What do you mean? Why not? Because if, for example, he signed after 20 games with... I know that Liverpool had 24 games. After 24 games last season, had a points... um, They had a points per game ratio of more or less two points per game. I actually made a bet with a friend of this who thought they would beat the awesome Liverpool team of of 2014 who had 84 points. But the points indicated that no, they wouldn't. And in fact, I think from when Van Dijk signed, who probably clearly the defence got better, but whichever way it panned out, was that the points ratio average stayed the same from before Virgil and after Virgil. And that's what counts. So. I see, I disagree. I disagree. You've got to to look at the league table, the final league table, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. Um, The final league table, I think we had conceded... um, 38 goals, which is only two more, I think, than Tottenham Hotspur and Burnley and those that were, you know, featured as having marvellous defences last year. But it was a massive, uh, I think, 15 goals um, more than Manchester City, who had the best defence. And Manchester United had the second best defence and they had conceded around about 26. So 38 to 26, 30, uh, you know, it's around about there. It's like a 10 or 15 goals conceded swing that we have to address. We have to address. And I think Virgil goes a long way to doing that because you can see in, in not just the stat that I quoted, but in many other stats that he is an absolutely fine defender. And, and you know, if it's, a, a, you know, the question of Lovren and Matip or Lovren and Van Dyke, our defence, because he, he gives everybody confidence. Uh-huh. I mean, that's the, uh-huh. the you know, the 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 standard line mm-hmm. when talking about Virgil. Yeah. He's extremely calm, he's extremely nice. And okay. I think there will be an impact on the points because you know coming if, up you're saying but it hasn't been there so far. That's my point. Oh no, I think it I think it has. Mm-hmm. But uh well, you know, because we well maybe not in the Premier League, that's true. But we had we had the Champions League getting more and more exciting. We were yeah, you know fair, fair. we were we were, you know, dividing our efforts between finishing top four because we'd also sort of given up on the league a bit, you know, we really wanted top four, but we couldn't win it, you know, so we didn't put all of our eggs into the, we put all of our eggs into the Champions League basket. Okay, okay. Um, Still, yeah, I I get your point. Um, Van Dijk is a very good player, but uh, for me, I wouldn't put it, that's interesting, we'll see if it becomes BV and AV. Um, Or AD in the year of our Dyke. Yes, 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 yes. Good. Excellent, excellent. Um, 
let's move on to Daniel Sturridge. <gasps> Are you a fan? Um, I'm a nostalgic fan. A nostalgic fan. Well, mm. he's looking as good as he did 13, 14. Yeah. You know, he's looking, he's back to his sharpness, although he, I, I have to say, I mean, he, he's not as fast as he was in 13, 14. He can't yeah. sprint anymore, but in terms of touch, in terms of passing, vision, yeah. again, brilliant movement. Yeah. Looks like he's uh, he's back to his best. <laughs> he looks like, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, Sturridge for me was my favourite player in the 2014 team. I loved him. Um, but the problem with Sturridge, which hasn't really been addressed by many, I think, Liverpool uh, outlets or forums, is that his problem is not physical. His problem is mental. And Rodgers alluded to this. And in Klopp, credit to him, uh, took the bull by the horns and, and he really expressed it in a couple of interviews. And in the comments by Klopp after the match yesterday, he showed the same reservation in a very um, diplomatic way. And the language of storage after the match is also, for me, uh, it's exactly the same as 2014. It's problematic. He's a great player, great touch, but he's, I feel good, I'm happy to be back, continue working hard. He was saying the same thing in tweets for years and years. Have a positive mindset. Okay, Danny, we just need to play football. And the the physios, uh, the coaching staff, etc., have had this dispute with him that his injuries are in his head. And so for me, it's an absolutely incredible thing in football today where you have a guy who has incredible talent but has spent most of his career out. And Liverpool fans are told or maybe they're under the assumption that it's because he's actually physically injured. When I think the people in Merseyside maybe know a little bit different. Just my opinion. So what do you think? He, perhaps he, he was he was feigning injury or his, his mind told him he was injured rather than actually being injured? What What's th- the mental problem? I think he's precious. I think he's okay. absolutely precious. And I, I think he's not his legs are glass, but his psychology is made of glass. And so it would be if he played every game this season, if he played as many minutes as Mosala, I think you would see that he is absolutely an incredible player, better than Firmino and better than Manny by a mile for me. But he won't. He simply will not. And it's nothing to do with the body. It's to do with he'll play when he wants to play. And I don't know what, because he obviously loves scoring goals. You can see it in him. But then he decides, no, it's not for me this weekend. And uh, there was this problem all through the Rogers period, uh, especially 2015. He didn't feel up to it. And, um, you know, Klopp, kind of said it he said yeah but he's gonna be um sort of like a sub which is maybe the best way to use him um but we'll see how it's handled but for me i would not be too excited well i think i think his problems are physical i think they are to do with the muscles you know his muscles that are always you know getting tight and i think i I think it could it could gen genuinely be a problem, whether that's psychosomatic, I don't mm, know, but, yeah, but, that's but, you know, that's but yeah. I think it could generally be a problem. But the thing with his language, for me, now he's going into the last year of his contract. Yeah. Um, yeah. And with his language, I mean, he had that horrible time on loan at West Brom where he got injured, I think it was two minutes into his debut, yeah. or one minute, so yeah, with yeah. a hamstring injury. 
Um, and he had a horrible time. And I think, but even being around the West Brom relegated club uh, environment, I think, you know, reading between the lines of what he's saying, this now for this preseason is that he, he seems to be a happier to not be guaranteed games. And that was always a problem when he, under Rodgers, and it was always an, under, a, a, you know, a, a problem before in his career. That's why he left Chelsea, because course, yeah. he wanted yeah. to be the number one, the main man, the first name on the team sheet. Uh-huh. Maybe because he is a bit precious, but I think that's a good thing for a striker. And And I think, you know, if he's happy to play a role where he's, he gets 30 minutes at the end of matches. Uh-huh. You know, he might get 60 minutes as a starter, you know, in the in the less important games and, and gradually builds up his season from there. I don't think he's got 90 minutes in him. No, he doesn't. I really yeah. does. I really don't. And I think, the, I think we could create a special role for this last year where he does seem positive to me. He seems like he's enjoying it, you know, uh-huh. playing with a uh-huh. smile on his face. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, enjoying the new surroundings, you know, all of the new players, and and I think he's got a big role to play if he can stay fit. But then I don't think he will stay fit. Yeah, I know you could be right. I mean, if it's played really well, I mean, if Klopp insists on that, it will be the right approach. Basically, it doesn't matter how many goals he scores in the eighty-fifth minute, he never starts. It would be a great approach, I think, because like you said, he doesn't have ninety minutes in him. But for me, he's. Uh, He's not going to change his leopard's not going to change his spots. Uh, he's going to, at some point in the season, feel a bit. I just think it's mental, and he's going to he's going to do his thing, calling Mornos and say, "Okay, uh, it's Christmas time. I, I don't feel up to it." To and, a Collymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Another very very good player. We'll say great player, but not a not the kind of player you want in your squad, unfortunately. Well, okay. All right. Well, I mean, you know. You're welcome to your opinion. Yes. And we shall agree <laughs> yet again to disagree. Yes. Um let's move on then. Okay, let's move on to the next item of the on the agenda. I'm I'm thinking about I'm gonna go back to the defence here. I'm gonna go I'm thinking about the amount of clean sheets really important in this season. You've gotta have balance. You know, we've already insulted Mourinho a lot today, which is good. And we can do even more. But one thing that I think <laughs> Mourinho was absolutely correct on uh, a couple of years ago, uh-huh. under Rodgers, one of the things he was absolutely correct on I was that he said, he said, it doesn't matter that Liverpool at the time had the best attack in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. you got to have balance. Football is a balance. Yeah, that was his famous approach. Yeah. And he's absolutely right. And I think we're getting it. We're getting it with the addition of Alisson. Um, I hope you're right, but I, I'm glad that you acknowledge that there hasn't been a balance until now. But my, my point is that the virtue and the vice of Liverpool under both Rodgers and Klopp have been the same thing, which is that people talk about a poor defence, but that defence is is working towards the attack. And so the attacker given a lot of licence. And so it's fantastic to watch, but you can have... You know, you can't have, uh, you know, the butter and the butter money, as the French say. So you do need balance. But, I mean, do you want Mourinho as your coach? 
obviously imagine. No, 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 no. I'm but not I, I just about think defensive think... football. Yeah, I'm no, talking no, about no, no, still attacking football, but better defending. You, I mean, we don't have a poor defense. We have a yeah. good defense. The last fifteen games of the Premier League season, we were the joint first, the joint best defense. Yeah, in the yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but your point was that they're coming towards. But my point is that you could also make and you could also oversell balance in a sense. You could make it too much of a point. Of course, you need balance, um, and definitely Allison, if you work through it, and Kate, more probably more importantly as an outfield player, will be. Um, the link because as Jamie Jamie Connolly agreed um, the second third of the pitch was absolute rank for the past couple of seasons rank absolutely terrible and it, it really impacted the performance so put pressure on the defence um, but then again when you have somebody like Dejan Lovren in your defence I mean you're always going to have pressure on the defence so World Cup finalist De- Dejan Lovren, uh, Dejan. Yes, it? along with he faced off with Juru, was it? <laughs> well, <laughs> fair enough. Good point. Juru, D- whose st- stats coincidentally yeah. are very, are very, yeah. very similar to Daniel Sturridge's. I will have to say that as well. Speaking of someone who says that Sturridge is better than Firmino and Mane, but um, <laughs> on his day, on his day, let me on his clear. day, I see, on I see. Day. With that caveat. But no, but let's let's think about this defence, right? Okay, in the last fifteen matches in the Premier League, joint first that was with Carrius in goal, that was with Lovren as a partner to Van Dijk, yeah. that was mainly with young Trent at right back, yeah, um, and Allison. I don't know if you're like me. I watch very little Serie A. Very little. Very little. And in fact zero yeah. last year uh, I'll be completely honest so looking at Alison what have I got to go on what have we got to go on we've got the YouTube videos yeah got the World Cup we got the World Cup what we've did you got... think of this World Cup performance um well first of all his the difference between his time at Roma and his uh, which we saw in the Champions League and the World Cup the World Cup the problem was that he had the best team by a mile in front of him Finally, unfortunately, were beaten. Um, they were they were sucker punched. Uh, for me, he you couldn't really take anything from his World Cup because he was protected most of the time, and but the problem could have been that he, he's only twenty five, and he didn't have that authority that you'd need uh, that he should have had. That would be maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I think he should have, uh, for the for the corner kick against uh, Belgium. He should have organised his defence a little bit better there. And then, again, it's not his job, but once it was shown that the, the Martinez had pulled, a, had pulled a stunt by putting De Bruyne up closer up front, he maybe, again, could have organised his defence a little bit better, but that maybe not his call. Uh, I wouldn't take anything from the World Cup, good or bad. Um, from the Champions League, unfortunately, I didn't really pay attention to him. So yeah, I saw the goals he leaked. But his stats are are um, very very impressive, and he is the number one keeper in Brazil. And uh, City have the number two keeper in Brazil. So I'm not a fan of Ederson, but Allison's clearly deemed better by a lot of people. Than well, which is very exciting. And let's have Absolutely. a look. At, have a look at some of those some of those stats now. I mean, because I found you know a a, a publication that. 
that I despise, really. I mean, mm -hmm. I despise is, is the right word without hype. hype the uh, Daily Mail. I actually like it. Well, I'm, I'm sure you do. Yeah. Um, but but not for the football. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. Uh, sort of. Um, these stats, right, they, they, they save me a lot of time because I, I wanted to do exactly the same thing myself and then I found out that, that the good people at the Daily uh, Mail's, Daily the Daily Fail Sports Desk had, had already uh, compiled this for me. It's a comparison between Alison and five other keepers, uh, Petr Cech, Courtois, Edison, De Gea and Loris, the main challengers in the Premier League, but also Loris Carius. We're going to ignore Loris Carius for the moment because in terms of appearances, Cech made 34, Courtois 35, Edison 36, De Gea 37, Loris 36, Alison 37. So you see they're very com comparable, but Loris Carius only made 19. So we're going to forget about him in this uh, this stats comparison. They, they, the others, they, they, they played more or less the same minutes, around about 3,000 to 3,300 in the league seasons. Uh, clean sheets, just looking at the best one. Who do you think was the best of the clean sheets? Who kept most clean sheets last season? Go for Ederson. It's a very good guess, but it's not the right one. Uh, Edison, actually, oh, he made 16, but De Gea, mm -hmm. of course. David, of course, with nine defenders in front of him. With nine defenders, yeah, with or with them. Maybe, maybe if it was a friendly, he would play the back eight. But it was, uh, yeah, 18, 18 <laughs> clean sheets in 38 matches for De Gea. Uh, goals conceded, for me, it doesn't really matter that much. Edison was the number one with 14, only 14 goals conceded. Oh, sorry, excuse me, 26 goals conceded. I was looking at Loris Carrius statistic, but uh, only 26 goals conceded in the whole season. That was a very good work. But that was more the, I mean, like you said, you're not a big fan of Edison. It's more the, so you would agree with me then that it's more the organisation of Manchester City's whole team oh, game yeah, sure. that allows them to concede so little. Sure. They okay. keep the ball well, De Bruyne, Silva, the other team yeah. doesn't even see the ball, so no. they can't have a shot. Exactly, exactly. Fair enough. Um, who made the most saves? I would go for um, De Gea. You're absolutely right. He made a absolutely humongous 115 saves, which if you, if you put it into context, um, uh, for example, Thibaut Courtois, mm -hmm. World Cup semi-finalist, <laughs> Courtois made 76 in the okay. whole season. De Gea, 115. Wow. And our lad, Alisson, 109. Oh, and going on to clean sheets, uh -huh. he, he made 17 clean okay. sheets. So, I mean, you know, it's a different league, but Please. 109 saves is a lot of saves. It's a different league. It's a different league, but still, you know, it's the, the goals are the same size. And if yeah. you're saving 109 shots... Yeah, it's fair enough. But what's the, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it depends also on the, uh, the save rate. Exactly, which is the next stat the save percentage again De Gea was on top with 80.3 yeah shots saved uh 80.3 and uh, uh again to using for example Courtois as a as a as a as a, a comparison mm -hmm. as the bar he, he, he was 68.5 percent so 
David De Gea, 80.3 is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And our lad, Alisson, 79.3. Very impressive. Yeah. Very impressive. Very impressive. Errors leading to goals. There are several goalkeepers on zero. Ooh. Who are they? I don't think it was Ederson. Um, I don't think it was even De Gea, was it? It was both of those. Ederson and De Gea and Courtois. Uh, I'm just going to double check that. Oh, no, sorry, you're absolutely right. Excuse me, excuse me. De Gea, yes. Ederson, no. He made two errors leading to goals. Excuse uh-huh. me. Um, well, one was against us, of course. Do you remember? He oh, no, I meant, I meant the opposite way. I meant that Ederson, I was sure, had made a mistake, no? Oh, I see. Yes, yeah. no, he had. Yeah. Yes. Oh, excuse me. Yes. Yeah. Edison made two mistakes that led directly. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Sorry. De Gea made zero, right. which is incredible for a whole season. Um, um, Thibaut Courtois made zero okay. as Great. well. Yeah. And I, I have to say, although I said we'd ignore him, Loris Carrius made zero. Okay. And I think that's important. In this, was the, this was in the EPA, in the, in the Premier League. Okay. Before, what about in the Champions country? League? I, I, I don't recall. Don't, remember. don't, don't recall. Remember. Exactly. What happened in the Champions League? Were we in it? I can't remember. Okay. Um, uh, but Alison, how many errors do you think? Oh, in the whole in Syria, the, in Syria ah, games. where they shoot you if you even think of making a mistake. <laughs> I would say zero. Zero. You're absolutely yeah. right. Absolutely yeah. right. I would say, yeah, I mean, some of the saving stat is important, especially the rate of saves. Um, mm-hmm. um, but it's a different league. Um, I hope he's a big guy. Um, I'm sure that he'll definitely be more focused uh, than um, Carius was. But it's about how he... Uh, and the other thing that's, that you haven't broached there so far is the stat that I got from uh, the BBC, actually, which was that clearing off the line, coming out to clear the ball in Syria, uh, which is the most, we'll say, the salient uh, stat of Alisson's career, is that he had twice the runner-up for coming off to clear the ball as like as a sweeper keeper he had 40 and the closest to him in Syria was Pepe Reina at 21 so this is clearly very very different to what we've seen in the Champions League where obviously it's another ball game but his normal way for Alisson is to be basically having a high line and he's coming out and he's great with the feed he's very Brazilian and so this will, this could, if deployed well by Klopp, could very, very radically change the, the, the way Liverpool play. Not very radically, but change it. And the second thing was his ability to split the defence with a pass, which nobody could accuse uh, Karius or Mignolet <laughs> of having. Right. So my point is that he, this could be very, very interesting because at times... Liverpool had a problem where, where, you know, where, as the Swansea manager said, if you gave them the traffic at 4pm in London on a Friday afternoon, they got bogged down. And if you have an intelligent keeper there who can bypass that problem, who can almost act as another uh, playmaker, it sounds a bit extreme, but it could be very interesting. Well, I yeah, I mean that's a very, very good point. It's very good points, and I and um, you know as they asked Jurgen Klopp about uh, Allison, and you know he said uh, I don't know if you I don't know if you've seen it. He, he he said the full package is just good, and I don't think he was referring to his genitalia. Ah, uh, no, no, you can't presume that. <laughs> can't presume. But then because he goes on to say we we 
Jürgen said, we got him here because of his existing strengths, which is, in all goalkeeping departments, the highest level. Ah, okay, good recovery by Jürgen. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, it's all very, very, very exciting stuff. Um, that sort of brings us to the end. Of our first episode, it's flown by. It's Absolutely been a, has. It's been a complete pleasure. Pleasure for me too. Uh, thank you so much, David Powell, for joining us. Been a pleasure, on. Is there is there a way that people can uh, you know contact you, or are you out of the social media limelight? Do, are you on Instagram? I'm not on Twitter? Instagram. I'm not on. No, no, no I'm not okay. on Twitter. I'm a very, very incognito guy. Exactly. Under He's the incognito. radar. He's under the radar. He's elusive. Yes. If you want to get in touch with David Power or me, if you have any 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 questions, any death threats that you want to send, please send them <laughs> in to, to, to talkonpodcast.gmail.com yes. or you can follow us on Twitter, get in touch there, send us your questions. If you would like to collaborate, you please... Yeah, I mean, yeah, please join in the fun if you want to... You know, we could, we could do some phone interviews, things like that with other fans. I'd love to connect with other fans around the world. Have a fantastic day, evening, night, wherever you are. And, uh, you know, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you to everybody. This is the end of episode one of Talk On. So, walk on. Farewell. As they say, farewell.